Theorizing that podcast audiences wanted to listen to two grown men talk about time travel, Nate Bowden and Brian Martin started a show dedicated to Quantum Leap. Together, they explore NBC's revival of the franchise, starring Raymond Lee and Caitlin Bassett, and its connections to the original series. They also examine spin-offs, such as novels and comics, as well as some mirror images in the form of television shows and movies that share creative DNA with the adventures of Sam Beckett and Ben Song. And so Nate and Brian find themselves leaping from topic to topic, striving to make sense of it all, and hoping each time that their next episode will be the one that goes viral. Oh boy, it's a Quantum Leap podcast. My name is Nate, and striving to put right what's wrong with this podcast, it's Brian Martin. Full-time gig, guys. How you doing? (laughs) Well, how are we doing? We're a little short on content this week. I'd be honest, guys. Wikipedia lied to me about the airing schedule of this season of Quantum Leap. I thought there was going to be a new episode this week, and there was not a new episode this week. You had lined all this stuff up for us. I thought I had an idea of what I was in for this week, and uh, lo and behold, the Republican National Convention. Oh, it was the debate? It was the You're debate. You're right. Yeah. Oh, wow. You know what? I can't believe that clown show preempted a new episode of Quantum Leap. I can't bring myself to watch this, and it's not because I don't necessarily see eye to eye with any of these people. It's because, what are we doing this for? Yeah. It's just a parade of nonsense. None of these people is going to be president. Not a single one of them. <laughs> but enough about that. Like, yeah. The problem this week we're running into isn't the Republican presidential debate necessarily. It's that they uh, prevented us from getting a new episode of Quantum Leap. And one I was honestly really interested in. Yeah. Really, man. really yeah. looking forward to it. I went ahead and pulled up the promo synopsis, too, just in case we decided to cover some of that. Oh, okay. I mean, it's, you know, a sentence and a half here from NBC, but we were so interested in the leap in that they teased us with at the end. Mm-hmm. The official synopsis for November 15th is our next episode, which I guess is next okay. week. Yes. At Princeton University in 1955, Ben must find a formula hidden by Albert Einstein that holds the key to nuclear energy before the Nazis get it. He's surprised. What? <laughs> He's surprised to run into a familiar face on campus. Oh, oh, a familiar pretty face. So, methinks. Given this, this, what the hell, Nate? <laughs> I can't believe we didn't get this episode this week. I am so all over it. Nazis? Yeah, this get is the question here. I have. Though it sounds like it's getting dangerously close to changing large events as Quantum Leap has always steered clear of. Yes. But was Albert Einstein actually hiding the key to nuclear energy on the Princeton campus? And Well, I didn't see that at the end of Oppenheimer this summer, but that doesn't mean anything. And it's 1955. Didn't we win? We won by 1955. Yeah, but there were still Nazis, man. They just worked <laughs> for us. That was the thesis statement of Dial of Destiny this summer. True enough. Yeah. It did I'm, not I'm look like 1955. It. No, it looked like yeah, late 40s, I think, is what I pegged it at before. Right. I mean, not that we got a whole lot. 
it was basically an alley in some <laughs> dark shadows. Let's be honest. All we know about the look and feel of 1955 was informed by Back to the Future. <laughs> I know literally nothing else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In fact, in my mind, I already made it November 5th, 1955. Yeah, there you go. I mean, you know I hope I mean? it is. Yeah, that would be, a nice be great. Little nod. That's yeah. about nuclear power, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Plutonium at the corner store. Yeah, right. <laughs> Who's president? Jerry Lewis? <laughs> I feel like it would be fun to cover that on an episode, but who doesn't know Back to the Future already? Like backwards and forwards, you know? Back to the Future, Back to the Future 2, Back to the Future 3. That yeah, is oh, like yeah. time travel 101, man. If you've ever seen anything related to time travel, it was probably those movies. At least at the 101 level, certainly. <laughs> oh, I mean, if you're listening to this show and you've ever seen anything related to time travel, it's probably Quantum Leap. But you've probably also <laughs> seen Back to the Future. Yeah, I just thought, rather than skip a week, maybe we should jump in here, upload an episode, let people know that we're here, maybe a summary of what we've seen thus far, well, maybe talk uh, about what we expect next week. I think there are a couple big things to talk about this week. Well, I'm glad you brought them with you. <laughs> that we've alluded to this year, we've talked about repeatedly this year, the first of which is, guys... The actor strike is all but over. Oh, really? Yes, they've reached an agreement. The ink is not signed yet. Wow. But it's looking like the strike has ended officially. In fact, some performers are on X or whatever your preferred social media is today promoting material again, promoting projects again. So that's a great sign. Oh, wow. See, I am woefully, woefully underinformed. Yeah, they, they did it. It was I think it was yesterday that this happened. But pay increases, including substantial pay increases for background performers, which is one of the things they were fighting for. Protection against AI and being able to own actors' images in perpetuity, which was oh, yeah. a big, big sticking point with this. I can't believe that that was a sticking point. You'd think it wasn't. But I was thinking about this a lot after this deal was reached. And I was thinking of things like not just... Rogue One right, and Ghostbusters Afterlife, which required the families of deceased actors to sign off on appearances for both Peter Cushing and Harold Ramis, respectively. Right. But even something like, and I'm going way back here to about 20 years ago, one of my favorite movies that y'all probably haven't seen or passed on or said, this sucks, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Uh. One of my absolute favorites. I remember liking that quite a bit, but I've probably only seen it the once. It's so fucking great. It certainly but looked good. I really it enjoyed looked, the... It gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, the villain in Sky Captain the World of Tomorrow, do you remember who played the main villain? Dude, I remember so little about that movie that we should cover it on an episode because I'll never so, watch it otherwise. The villain of the movie, you come to find out, is long deceased. And the only way you see this villain is through recorded footage. And the actor portraying, quote-unquote, the villain, Totenkopf, is Laurence Olivier through archival footage and CG. And that was one of the earliest instances of the family of an actor saying, you know what? Yes, you can use our father's or our husband's likeness in your project, right? Right. But the studios wanted complete control over that, (laughs) right? Right, yeah. And so they've gotten concessions in that regard. And they've also gotten a lot of additional health benefits. Movie stars, you think of like George Clooney, you think of people like that who definitely have the ways and means to obtain that. That's not who this strike was about. 
right? Yeah. This strike was about the people who were trying to eke out a living in Hollywood as bit performers in shows and movies. Auditioning for commercials, basically. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Who don't necessarily have the resources to pay for things like healthcare. And so this deal was in their favor as well. So moral of the story is, Looks like the strike is ending, and hopefully that means more Quantum Leap in the new year once they get back to work on it. Yeah, not falling too far behind. Maybe make them work through the holiday or something. <laughs> <laughs> no Christmas for you guys. Seriously, uh, you got to bring lineup to, to put together. I mean, well, I think every TV show is going to go back into production right now. In fact, one of the big things that was announced just a few hours ago is that... The entire upcoming slate of MCU movies is being punted out several months. Oh. Mm. Things that were supposed to open next year, like Captain America New World Order or Thunderbolts, they're all pushed to 2024 Most of that stuff is on my periphery, but it really sounds like they need to get their act together. (laughs) It does. Uh, Everything that I've read and or seen since has been really kind of... Uh, uh. Yeah, they're working on it. I believe that regardless of how good or fun the Marvels is, and I've heard that it is both. It doesn't have a high rating on the uh, on the old tomato meter. No, it, it doesn't. It's in the 60s right now. It's kind of in the early to mid 60s on the tomato meter. Mm-hmm. But I've heard it's a lot of fun. And I've also heard that it is going to bomb very hard this weekend. So, yeah, I think that Marvel is going to have to uh, figure some things out. But the only MCU, quote-unquote, movie that's going to release next year now is Deadpool in mid-July. Okay. I think that's probably good for them. I agree. And I never thought I'd be the person to say this, but I really feel like maybe they need to put some stuff on the shelf for a minute. (laughs) You know, regroups. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I think maybe it was just too much. Yes. Still have not watched Loki. The only one that would really be <laughs> the finale aired today. Up. Have you watched any of it? I've not seen a minute of it yet. I'm still one episode away from finishing Secret Invasion, which everybody hated, evidently, but which I'm I'm here for. Uh, I'm, I didn't. I'm all right with it. I didn't get past episode two. Oh man, I just like Ben Mendelsohn a lot. Like I, I watch like him ben too. Mendelsohn in just about anything. You know, and it wasn't like, oh man, this is terrible. I can't watch this. But it was like. Do I have the time to devote to this thing that I'm not itching to see? Like Reacher? (laughs) (laughs) I cannot freaking wait for Reacher. It's ridiculous how much I've been waiting for this show. Oh, good. Did you watch Reacher? I did not watch Reacher. Oh, man. It's it's a lot of fun. (laughs) I'll say that. It's not prestige television or anything, but. uh, I really enjoyed that first season. Looks like kind of beefcake television. Oh, it's definitely a male fantasy. So it's like macho TV. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. I, 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 can, I, mean, I can do with that. I feel like Justified is much, much better, but they could okay. share a universe. They could <gasps> very easily be a shared universe. You know, it's the same kind of- I love kind thinking of, about stuff like that. Yeah, like it's a- I love watching things and speculating about shared universes. One of my favorite- sh- this is just me personally. There's no internet precedent for this. Until this is something now, I... <laughs> you're going to start it. I had two movies that in my head canon share a universe. It's It Follows and Napoleon Dynamite. 
Have you ever seen It Follows? I've seen Napoleon Dynamite. And I know what It Follows is. It Follows one of the best horror movies of the last 10 years. Yeah, I've heard but it's pretty good. But the whole reason, the whole reason in my head canon they exist in the same universe is that Napoleon Dynamite, what year does it take place in? It's very hard to nail it down. There's a lot of things aesthetically that look like the early 90s or the late right. 80s. Right. But it clearly has some things from the early aughts as well swimming around in there. It's kind of this universe that exists in this weird cross stream of timelines right? sure that's fair yeah it follows very much the same thing like it's really hard to pin down when this movie is supposed to take place and in my head canon the two of them exist in the same universe of this just sort of like just weird amalgamation of three decades i guess it certainly could doesn't seem like they overlap in any way no they but... nothing nothing about them is similar at all but i would love for at one point in the upcoming sequel they follow for the character to look up and see john heater as napoleon dynamite just slowly walking towards <laughs> them It'd be so gratifying for me what happened to john hater has he done anything he, nah he's mormon so he like left hollywood he's like oh, i can't hang with you guys oh really i think is i think he's true? mormon yeah I, well, I think he is. Did he leave Hollywood? <laughs> I, I believe so. Are... Like, oh, okay. Like he just couldn't do the cocaine part of it, so he was like, "I'm out." <laughs> so here's the other thing I had to kind of talk about this week. Well, that was really good news about the strike but, there. That's fantastic. Yeah. But uh, the next thing I'm going to talk about is another good sign for the remainder of this season for Quantum Leap. We've sort of speculated so far. How is the show doing? The show has come back as one of the few network shows with brand new episodes that isn't an unscripted reality show, right? Sure, yeah. And the series premiere of Quantum Leap. The season premiere? The series premiere. And I'm talking oh. way back last season, July 13th, 1985, the pilot episode of this show brought in 3.35 million viewers in the United States based on Nielsen ratings. Okay. At that point, the show kind of just slipped week to week to week. Every week was kind of lower than the last for the most part. Yeah. And by the end we of the season, it was, I think, 2.16 million. Yeah. I know every week one of the topics we'd bring up near the end of an episode is, are we going to get a second season? Are we going to... Actually, I guess we never really talked about cancellation, though, because they kept getting extended. Yes. We would just keep asking, hey, when is this going to get renewed? Is it going to get renewed? Well, I've got good news for you. No episode in season two so far has dipped below 2.5 million viewers. Okay. In fact, that number has largely trended upwards hmm. or remained pretty consistent in the mids. And Now, is that because nothing else is on? <laughs> possibly. First episode of this season, of course, this took too long, averaged 2.9 million viewers. And the most recent episode, last week's One Night in Koreatown, 3 million viewers. So this oh. is the second highest viewed episode of this series so far, last week. Wow. That's pretty good. Yeah, and a little surprising. I mean, they didn't know when they started watching it that it was going to be the fourth best episode of the season. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's good to know so it's pretty healthy and that's without streaming numbers i assume that's without streaming numbers so so far so good this season it's that love story man people are here for it uh, will they won't they 
Well, I do think the love story element is always a draw. I think the topicality of last week's episode probably did some good for it. Regardless of how well they executed it, it was a very topical episode. And I think that stuff like the L.A. riots Mm -hmm. resonates today because I think that civil unrest is still very much alive and festering. How about Nazis? Do they resonate today? Well, unfortunately, yeah. (laughs) I mean, according to Dial of Destiny, you'd think no. (sighs) We probably talked about this, but one of the reviews for Dial of Destiny over the summer was that the movie didn't take time out to explain why Nazis are bad. What? And I'm like, what the f*** is wrong with you? The movie doesn't need to do that. That's your responsibility. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Are you serious? Was that on Breitbart? <laughs> what? That was I a mean... serious review, was that the movie doesn't explain why Voller's a bad guy. Okay, I thought invoking the name Hitler was enough. Yeah, wow. That's crazy. Yeah, that's where we're at. That's where like, we're at, Nate. Take it completely out of social commentary and just think of it as the fifth movie in a series that's already had Nazis as the bad guy twice. It's <laughs> mostly about bad Nazis. <laughs> yeah, right? The series. Like, three times? <laughs> three yeah. times. Three out of five three movies out of were five. about Nazis. Yeah. As far as the ratings are concerned for season two, that bodes well because I know it's a shorter season than season one. 13 instead of 18 yeah i think it's like 12 or 13 episodes is what they were aiming for right so i think they've got time to pull this off still with eight episodes in the bag that leaves them with what like four or five more episodes to do i i think we get those in the springtime easy yeah probably so well that's pretty exciting maybe we'll get an extension who knows yeah good news all around because i was i'll be honest with you like merging these two topics together The thing that left me with the most fear about the future of Quantum Leap was the actor strike. You know, what is this going to mean? If they have new episodes and suddenly don't at some point, what is that going to mean for the show? Right? Hmm. Does the network just give up on it after a certain period of time? And I'm not just talking about Quantum Leap. I'm talking about, like, a lot of scripted programming in general. Not long-standing franchises that are safe like Law & Order, but, like... But yeah. like a show like Quantum Leap, like what does the future look like if this strike is not resolved in a timely manner and everybody just kind of moves on? Right, sure. So I was really, really concerned about that. But the strong ratings plus the end of the writer strike, I think we're sitting pretty good. We'll get our last episode before the Christmas holidays, and that's pretty typical for a show. Right. And then come back in January, February with a new episode, I hope. So Yeah. I do wonder how those numbers would look if there was more competition on the air. Sure. But who cares? There's not. I don't care. It's like if that's enough to get them renewed for a third season. Yeah, we'll get our third season. Yeah. And and some of these shows really, really hit their stride in a third season. I just realized tonight, because I asked a question about it at my trivia show, that the reboot of Hawaii Five-0 ran for 10 damn seasons. (laughs) No way. I had, I had no idea it was on TV that long. <laughs> no, I that I think goes to 2.5 million viewers would have been so poultry back when we were actually watching broadcast television. Oh my God, no. You could not subsist yeah. on 2.5 million viewers back right. in the mid-90s. So like, who knows what the ratings for that show actually were, but it was enough to keep it on the air for 10 years? Yeah. 
I was reading a little bit again from the showrunners, and they were talking about this idea of the sacrifice, the engine running on sacrifice. Oh, okay. Yeah. But they were introducing this idea because they thought that it was putting a positive spin on the ending title card from the original series. And that so many fans felt gut-punched and disappointed by the finale, they thought that introducing this idea would spin it in people's minds and maybe change the way they thought about the end of that series. Well, I mean, if people needed it, okay. I never needed it. I didn't either. That's the other (laughs) thing. Interesting that they would want to attempt that. Does it, in fact, do that? Hmm. I mean, there are fans out there that really hate the way that ended, and we don't have anybody here to ask, but I don't know why. I think I get it. It's that we are hardwired to want our heroes to have happy ending, right? Right. If this is the last time we're going to see this character, we want the ending to be happy. We don't want it to be open-ended. We don't want it to be ambiguous. And we certainly don't want the character to not get what they've been fighting for. The reason I never had that problem with the end of Quantum Leap is because I think that Sam... What he comes to learn at the end of the show is that what he's always been fighting for is Quantum Leap. Right? right. Like, this is his destiny. Regardless right. of what he wanted with Donna, regardless of anything else, Quantum Leap is his destiny. So I never had a problem with that. When I saw that end title card, Dr. Sam Beckett never returned home, I felt like, well, of course he didn't. Right. Like, and so... Here's why I don't feel so good about it being there to put people's mind at ease. It's that it takes agency away from Sam, right? It makes it feel like Sam is still at the mercy of Quantum Leap, rather than the other way around, that it's like, this is just what I must do. It's not a sacrifice. On the contrary, this Hmm. is the thing I feel most compelled to do in life, right? Yeah. Like the sacrifice would be giving up Quantum Leap. To Sam Beckett. Yeah. That's, uh... So I don't like that. I don't like that explanation. But at the same time, I understand why they feel compelled to provide it to a certain section of the fan base. I understand that I am not representative of the whole of Quantum Leap fandom that wanted to see Sam Beckett come back. It just, I don't need that, and it doesn't quite work for me. Yeah, it's too bad that we couldn't be on opposite sides of that particular topic kind of one of the linchpins of fandom and we both right. are on the outskirts of what I think most of the fans of the show like because I didn't even really need the title card at the end because it was already an assumption I made. The whole episode sets you up for that. Right. And there is a moment if I remember correctly that God or Fate or Time <laughs> Bruce McGill. We'll call Bruce him Bruce McGill. McGill. Yeah, the bartender told him that he had the power to go home that he could do it yes like yellow brick road stuff he could have just gone home whenever he wanted to and that to me is like well he's been consciously making a choice not to do that you're right that's not sacrifice think of like the leap back when he does go home but he realizes he has to step back in the accelerator save out that is Sam Beckett Sam Beckett got this fine ass woman Yeah, but his best friend is about to die. Her clothes are literally draped on her. (laughs) Not even, not even like fitted. They're just draped on her. (laughs) And he's like, 
I gotta go back to save Al. Yeah, but that's his best friend who, like, saved his life numerous times. It doesn't matter, though. doesn't matter. There's a hot lady in him. Yeah, all right. I mean, like... I mean, if if anybody would understand Sam having to leave his best friend in the past to be with a fine-ass woman, (laughs) it would be Al. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, Sam, I get it. No (laughs) no harm, no foul. (laughs) Before we begin the profile scan... I'd like to take this opportunity to express my admiration for your selfless attempt to rescue Dr. Beckett. Kind of spinning this as a sacrifice, do you think this is something that the showrunners will give up? Do you think this is just like an idea that's tossed out and is going to kind of go away? Or is this something that might actually really kind of bother you moving forward if they kind of stick with this idea that Ben is lost to time because he made a sacrifice. No, I'm definitely willing to accept it and let them run their course with it. It doesn't frustrate me in any way. I think it's a really cool concept. Okay. That the engine runs on sacrifice. And I think that was true of Sam early on. But by the end of the show, it's not. He doesn't view what he's doing as a sacrifice. Right. 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 And there's no reason why Ben wouldn't ultimately come to the same conclusion. But that being said... I don't think Ben's fate is going to be the same as Sam's. Oh, really? Hmm. I don't think so. Yeah, I think they're probably going to get him home. If they have the opportunity to finish the series, I imagine they'll bring him home. So you don't think that Ben is going to be posed with the same opportunity to keep going? Look, because if they, if they go to the trouble of presenting him with the opportunity, he definitely accepts it. I just think they will skirt the topic and avoid it altogether. Hmm. Unless Sam comes back. And kind of ruin <laughs> ruin that finale. I, uh, yeah, I kind of, at this point in the show, I don't necessarily want to see Sam come back. But Yeah, I'm kind of there with you. I feel like if Sam comes back, I hope it's not to, hey, we finally got you home. I hope it's more like showing up and saying, like, no, I'm, I'm out here doing this on purpose and... Uh, you know, see, thanks, see you but no later. thanks. Yeah, like r- really, like maybe I don't think they should do anything more than maybe cross paths at some point. I think it would be nice if Sam does appear in the finale, filling the Bruce McGill role of the original finale. Like this is a every generation yeah. that you just have to learn what the ultimate price is of Quantum Leap, and you have to. So you could then assume that Bruce McGill was also just a leaper, right? Or yeah. God. You can assume he's God, and maybe Sam, as we've alluded to before, has acknowledged his place outside of space and time. Yeah. And yeah. has become a higher life form. Maybe. Because he's got Bacula. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be interesting to see if Ben is posed with that question, because his motivation for getting into the accelerator is far different. Oh, sure. Really, it was self-serving. And I mean, Sam's was too, but it wasn't in the sense of, I need this thing. It's that I want to see if this works, right? Yeah, Sam's motivation was, I've put my heart and soul into this thing, and if I don't do it now, I'm not going to get the chance. And Ben's was more like, dumb. I really like this (laughs) chick. (laughs) I'm going to try and avoid coming back to the fact that none of it was necessary, but supposing that it did make sense that he leaped to save Addison. The conceit is that he leaped to basically save the life of his 
girlfriend and other friends. That would be considered kind of a sacrifice. Which the um, show has definitely pointed out to us yeah. multiple times this season. Ben definitely feels that way. This idea of sacrifice has not just been present in the one scene that Tom mentioned it. Yeah, and the fact that he doesn't even have the fiancé that he leaped to protect. He lost right. that. Kind of going back to what we're talking about with like Sam and this drive, this altruistic drive. Is that the story of this season for Ben? Now, I, I, I don't think it is. I think that ultimately Ben and Addison do end up together. Yeah, they'll get back together. Probably but, by the end of this season. But the question for me would be, is that what Ben has to understand? Is that what he has to come to terms with? That the reason to do this isn't because it's what he wanted. It was because it was what was best. But then it wouldn't be best if they got back together. Right. That's what I'm saying. If he didn't get back together with her, that would be um, a nice narrative structure for the show to, for him to come to a realization that like... Sure, yeah. Yeah, this, mean, is, this is just... this altruism in whatever form it takes and it doesn't always mean that i'm going to get what i want it means right. that i'm doing the best for the most people i can or maybe he technically did get what he wanted because he really just did it to save her life not to save her life to be with her well that's what he said yeah so, <laughs> his actions tell something different doesn't it <laughs> right right well i mean if they're planting the seed of the idea that Ben has made this great sacrifice and is now stuck in time having to live out that sacrifice. At this point, you have to believe that Ben would opt to leap home if he could. Yes. Yeah. A lot can change from season two, episode five to the end of a four season run, five season run. So yeah, little early to try and project, I guess, but. In the episodes that we've seen thus far, however, it, when he's working on the leap, it's about this person and it's about this situation and it's about the leap. And he doesn't really so much focus on that. And I mean, thank God. Uh, right. No, I mean, he'd be a wretch <laughs> if that's all he focused on. Yeah, I'd be horrible. Yeah, I'd be what a terrible. Like how many ways. Terrible watch would that be? It would be like. When your best friend breaks up with a long-term girlfriend, it's like, I can console shut up you, about it. <laughs> but how many ways can I console you? And my God, man, just snap out of it. Yeah. Uh, like, it's been six months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, that was three years ago. <laughs> uh, time, to, time to get over it. I think it's a more interesting spin for Dr. Song than it is for Dr. Beckett, probably. Yes. Yeah. I was just thinking about this myself, but is uh, Paging Dr. Song still the worst episode? Yes. Worse than Ben and Teller? Yes. Ben and Teller at least has a plot that can be followed. <laughs> yeah, um, okay, fair. Yeah, I, Paging Dr. Song is such a mess, man. On a level of disappointment, Ben and Teller probably has it beat. But I still think that 50% of Ben and Teller is a totally passable episode. Like, the, yeah. the leap itself is mostly fine. Like, that whole plot could be used in a better episode. Yes. And we wouldn't have known. It could have easily been, like, the third best episode of this season. But yeah. it just got saddled with so much baggage. Uh, nothing but a complete reworking could have gotten Paging Dr. Song to anywhere other than the bottom of season one. 
Yeah. Okay. Fair. So is This Took Too Long the best episode of the series, or is SOS still up there for you? It's still SOS. Really? I think This Took Too Long is probably number two. Okay. But SOS is still number one. This might just be due to having watched it most recently, but it's really close to me because one of the things that made SOS so cool was how they integrated Martinez into the story. Yeah. Let the story really work that way and then have that added twist of, holy crap, it's this guy and what the hell is he up to? Yeah, and what happens later in the season Forget about that. Just look at this as an isolated episode. Man, yeah. what yeah. a great twist. It was all the potential. All the potential that was built up for that. There was so much of that. That's probably like 20% of what I really liked about that episode. Outside of that, it was also just a really good episode. But I yes. mean, that yeah. was cool. And it really made it feel like maybe this story really is worth following, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's the point, right? The appearance of Martinez in Salvation or Bust was a great tease. It was a salvation of that episode. But, um, (laughs) yeah, but SOS just took it up, like, multiple notches. Yeah, like, it was done so creatively, and it was proof that the story could work as a through thread. And in retrospect... You have to take a lot of that away, whereas this took too long, similarly set up a crap ton of potential. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. And then the very next episode. So if you take away Ian showing up at the end of the premiere this season Mm -hmm. and focus just on those soldiers and the A-team getting out of Russia. Yeah. Is that as good as we think it is? I think so. Yeah? I think it comes down to the actors, the performances, the personalities that are there, and I loved all those characters. Yeah. And the same can be said of Brendan Routh's performance in SOS. Sure. That was one of the best guest spots this show has seen so far. They are what carry the episode. The twist alone is isn't what makes those episodes as good as they are. Sure. Regardless of whether Martinez shows up at the end of SOS or not, we were on the edge of our seats watching that show. That's true. That's true. But one of the things about SOS is this was this quantum leap at its height because it was able to weave all that stuff together. Yeah. And we loved the premiere of season two because of the potential of wiping away all of the stuff that didn't make sense in favor of just back to basics on this stuff and to have that all kind of fizzle out immediately. It'd be worth watching both again and seeing how they stack up. Yeah, when we get to the end of season two and we're doing our award show again, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where these things fall because the premiere now feels a little in flux to me. Although, in relation to the other four episodes we've got in this season, it's still a very healthy first place. (laughs) I think my number two comes pretty close. Episode three, right? Episode three, yeah, yeah. But uh, we still got some episodes ahead of us. And we've got some episodes that are really interesting to me ahead of us. The next episode, of course, the Salem Witch Trials episode is ahead of us. The Egypt episode, I'm very interested to see what happens at the back half of the season. Yeah, we're along for the ride, so that's great. Anyway, slightly 
shorter episode this week. Maybe. <laughs> Once it's on the other side of the editing process, we'll see if it's any shorter than our regular <laughs> episodes. <laughs> well, I guess we've spent some time, haven't we? Just the same. Once we cut out all the stuff about NBC shows that nobody watched, uh, we'll be down to about 35 minutes. So I think, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll be here for the next episode, November 15th. And we'll have an episode posted that next Monday. Until then, folks, thanks for listening. Of course, please do follow, subscribe to our podcast on our dedicated feed. Wherever you listen, of course, you can listen to us on the Paprika feed as well. Please do give us a shout on our email. That's oboyqlpod at gmail.com. Let us know what your season order is. What episode do you think has been the best this season? What do you think has been the weakest? Are we right or wrong about SOS? Let us know there. Of course, you can follow us on social media if you can find us. At Captain Burn on Blue Sky. Uh, Brian.Lee.Martin on Instagram. Threads. I'm there. Uh, what's that <laughs> other one? Uh, we're so, hive. we're so oh, good. I, so good at promoting ourselves, aren't am, we, am I Am I on Hive? What is that? <laughs> I don't even know which one that is. <laughs> Uh, until next what time, folks. That? I don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, who, uh, whatever. <laughs> until next time, guys. I'm Brian. And I'm Nate. And we'll be here in the waiting room. Old gray mare, she ain't what she used to be. Ain't what she used to be. Ain't what she used to be. And now, the crazy old man singers. Old gray mare, she ain't what she used to be, ain't what she used to be.